All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's edition of the Anarchy Arena podcast. We have something slightly different and a little interesting for you, hopefully. Uh, This week, we had an invasion in our home, so we decided to use it to our advantage. We had the invasion of the former puddle pirate garden gnome who is uh, living on our couch for the weekend. Our good friend, Mr. Matthew Karg from college, is visiting for the weekend, so we thought we'd uh, take the opportunity we had at hand and... uh, ask him to be on the show and talk about his rather eclectic past, uh, having done many things all the way from being a member of the uh, Coast Guard to brewing beer and pretty much everything in between. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matthew Karg. Yay! Uh, What's going woo! on? Thanks for yeah! having me on, bro. Ah, he's so cool. He's, he's the best. All right. Autographs five dollars each. Five dollars, yes. Like you can't. That's even more give than we've away. ever made on this show. Ah shit. Five dollar make you holla. Ah shit. We need to get some fucking eight by tens. Right. Um, so so card. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. This is your first time here. Thank you, sir. Um, it is. You have, like Chris said, you've lived a bit of an, an eccentric life. Uh, give us a little bit of a rundown, even though Chris. Did, did a wonderful introduction. Give us a little bit of rundown from your perspective. Who is Matt Card? <laughs> I'm I'm the weird garden gnome that lives on the sofa. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Episode over. Hope everybody right, enjoyed yeah. it. And we'll, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Everyone, we're good. We're fine. Everything's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, this is, this guy is one of like if if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard us tell stories about college and parties and shit like that. This guy, everything ever stupid that happened, he's usually at the center of it. Yeah, he's usually the first or oh, second one to try. Not that bad. Yeah, you are. You're not. Eh, okay, okay. <laughs> like uh, you know, lighting hats on fire, lighting your hands on fire after covering them in hand sanitizer. Um, Lighting your cigarette off hurt. a bowl of flaming Everclear. That hurt too. <laughs> maybe I think I lost some facial hair to that one. Maybe maybe that's why subconsciously you went for the Coast Guard because you played with too much fire and you decided eh, I'll try water for a change. Yeah, at least I can jump in and put it out if I light myself on right? fire again. Come on, baby, light my fire. Sorry. Um, I think the worst one was uh, when I filled my mouth up with that lighter fluid from a lighter and just spit fire. That <sighs> did not go well. Yeah, no shit. Didn't that, like, blow back into your mouth? I snorted it on accident. Like, I breathed through my nose and pulled fire up my nose. I could smell burning hair for, like, two weeks. <laughs> Jesus, talk about unpleasant. Good God. <laughs> So, oh. so, okay, so so we touched, obviously, on, on the Coast Guard. You are a retired member of the United States Coast Guard. That is correct. And uh, what exactly was your field of expertise while you were a puddle pirate? Best described as jack of all trades, master of none. But uh, So I was a bosun's mate, so my primary job was driving boats, basically. But on top of that, I worked as an EMT. Um, Classified communications control and law enforcement. And what would you say was probably your favorite out of those three uh, job descriptions to do? Uh, the one I didn't mention, search and rescue. I wasn't a big fan of the law enforcement or the well, the driving boats was fun, especially in bad weather. But it, when it was for the purpose of search and rescue, I had a lot of fun doing it. Wait, wait, they let you drive boats in good weather, let alone bad weather? 
Yeah, and the only one that I ever ran aground was in good weather. That's somehow not surprising. <laughs> it was a soft one. It was just like a sandbar. Right, so... so not, not, not too much damage to the cutter. No, well, it wasn't a cutter. It was a small one. Oh, uh, okay. Well, like, if you don't mind talking about it, like, where did you primarily serve during your time as a Coastie? Um, so I started in the same place as all Coasties in Cape May, New Jersey. That's where our boot camp was. After that, I went to uh, Humboldt, California. Joke's on me. Quit doing certain things to join the Coast Guard and they send you to the epicenter. Right, like... Um, <laughs> by the way, you can talk about it. We don't give a shit. This is, this is the... Uh, okay, the, cool. Right, yeah, no, sure. This, this is, is the Anarchy Arena. Arena podcast for a reason. Yeah, we don't, we don't give a fuck. Oh, that's what yeah. it's called? I thought it was the bitch and uh, No, that's Chris's side project. Um, Shh, no one uh, knows okay. about that yet. <laughs> yeah, Chris is going to try to go solo on me, guys. Uh, oh, boy. It always happens, no. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. you went from, like, the biggest pothead I knew to burning weed. How does it feel to be a tool of the man? Oh, wait, there we go. <laughs> Sorry? How does it feel to be a tool of the man? Tool the man. I don't know. It was fine. They paid me all right. But, so, uh, I, I do know there was a couple of occasions where you called and you were half like, this is a really cool thing and half like, this is a really sad thing about possibly dumping illicit substances into possibly some very deep trenches in the middle of the ocean. I mean, it's got to go somewhere, right? I'm obviously not naming any specific <laughs> places for a reason. I couldn't even tell you where the specific place is. I don't even know. I was about to say, do you have the coordinates? Because if you know, I've killed a lot of brain cells since then. That's fair. Yeah, and yeah. before then, and before then, true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't have many left. I think you're at nah, half. That's okay. I, they're, they're I think he's at, yeah, they are kind of overrated, but I think he's at half now, like half one. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um. Yeah. After California, went to Guam. That was probably the fun. The most fun place to serve. What'd you do in Guam? Um, a lot of rowdy shit. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I worked on a on a cut small cutter out there. It was mostly uh, most of our missions were at least like humanitarian and international treaty enforcement things like that, search and rescue, obviously. But the extracurricular activities were really where the fun was. This such as. Well, I mean, it's Guam, so there's like, scuba diving, there's a, you know, it's a beautiful little island to explore. Yeah, 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 um... get rid of the PG shit, we want to hear the good shit. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I plead the fears. How often did you the, fight the, with your the... cock? <laughs> Alright, so yeah, there was, there was cock fighting out there that was pretty fun. You know, you go out there and uh, throw out a couple bucks on some chickens fighting. You know, looking back, it wasn't the most uh, humanitarian thing to do, but they had stadiums built just for cockfighting so you know you want to experience the local culture so, so like wait a minute when you say stadiums because i've been to a cockfight myself okay not like an nfl right stadium. right you're talking like this place could it's like a circular arena in the middle and then like little aisles where the people taking bets would walk around and then maybe 150 200 people damn that's still a lot of fucking people the ones i've yeah, been to a- are like 15 at most that's a big crowd to watch some chickens beat each other up. Yeah, you gotta be careful who you wave at, because, like, depending on how many fingers you hold up and you wave at somebody and, like, what angle they're at is how much money you just <laughs> accidentally bet. 
Whoops. What do you mean I bet $200? I just said, what's up, man? <laughs> you put up two fingers. That means you bet 200 like. yeah. <laughs> Now, I, I know that wasn't the only highlight in Guam because there's a specific story I remember you telling over and over. What was what was one of the other highlights for a young man of the sea out there in Guam? I'm trying to remember what story you're referring to. Well, if I remember correctly, apparently, uh, according to uh, your retelling of it, the uh, people of Guam like to ship in uh, American women to work in certain establishments. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So uh, my next door neighbors were a couple of um, ladies who like to take their clothes off for money. But no, they were a bunch of. I had a bunch of strippers that lived next door, and they would always come over in like the middle of the night and like bang on the door. Or we would go there, and they we would get to hang out with them all day. And you kind of felt like a badass because you had all the strippers hanging out with you, and you weren't spending any money. <laughs> yeah, that that was that resulted in some really wild evenings. Uh, next thing you know, there's uh, naked women and running around your apartment. And you're like, oh shit, how did this happen? I am awesome. Well, you, I'm sure you felt that way until. Uh, I believe you told me your dad video called me or video called you uh, during one of those uh, escapades. And what exactly did he say to you during that call? Oh, was this the one where he called me a misplaced sperm cell? That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He called me. He told me I was a misplaced (coughs) sperm cell because he video called me and there was all these drunk girls hanging around me. And they, they realized it was my dad on the phone. So they're all like, oh, hey. And yeah, he's like, you're... He called me a misplaced sperm cell. Was basically the moral of the story, which is probably true. Uh, yeah, I think you're, you're not the fastest one, but you definitely were the most effective one. Um, like, it's not that I'm quick; I'm crafty. Right, right. Yeah, he, he somehow <laughs> outclevered the other ones. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I'll. I know we give him shit for being dumb, but I will be the first one to fucking say that Matt is quite possibly the the best street it's like street knowledge. The, out of our group of friends, like I would agree with that statement. Man, that's like he—that's the nicest backhanded compliment I've ever. No, had. no, no! I don't mean that backhanded. <laughs> I mean that a hundred percent. Like you know how to get out of horrible situations, like scratch free. You come out of uh, come out of shit smelling like roses ninety percent of the fucking time. Somehow, I, luck. I think that's really all it can be. It can't be just luck, though, man. It's happened too many times for you to not for for it to be luck. You'd eventually get fucking caught. Uh, you would think. I, I mean, we've had some close calls with getting caught in the past. I think, uh, Chris, were you there the night at the end of the road? Uh, depends which time. There were lots of them, the and not the all of them I remember. Uh, no, I was not there for that particular incident. Oh, eh. I don't know how we got away scot-free on that one. Wait, what happened? Luck, again. Some of our viewers don't know uh, that one, so let, tell us. Okay, so um, I won't use names. We'll call them, uh... We'll call them people. I was going to come up with fake names, but I'm not quick enough. Um, yeah, so I was there with three of the others of our, like, group of friends from college. We went to this place, which may have come up on this podcast before the end of the road. A little, like, hangout spot. And we were down there smoking illicit substances because we couldn't do it in the dorm rooms. And we look up behind us, we see some headlights coming down. We're like, ah, okay, whatever. It's just somebody coming down to turn around. It happened. And then a little third light appeared in the corner. We realized what it was. At the time, I was the one with the uh, bowl in my hand. So I'm like panicking, like, what do I do? 
somebody else is lighting an incense. Like, let's not make it obvious, guys. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, like yeah, like oh man, it's cops come. It, it smells like weed out here. I'll let's light the incense. They'll never figure it out. Like yeah. Yeah, like, what are you guys doing? It's like, oh, we're just staring at the stars. We've been studying for, I think it was around midterms. So we said midterms. Obviously, we weren't studying. I don't think any of us graduated. Mm, um, <laughs> nope. Well, one did, right? One did? Yeah, one, one did. did. You're right. One but, out of what? The five or six of us? Yeah, more like the 15 of yeah. us, but go ahead. <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so the cops came up to the window, took our IDs, went out and ran them. They're sitting in their car for a little while. They're coming back. They're handing the IDs back out. And I remember one, they're handing uh, one of us her names. They're handing me my ID, and I had to cross. I was on the back passenger side, and he was at the driver front. So I had to cross over, and he kind of crossed in to hand it to me. And I held on to it for a second, like paused and pulled back. And apparently he had a partner this whole time that I didn't notice. I was like, do you smell marijuana? And they're kind of like, I think I do. No, it must just be the tobacco. It's okay, guys. Like, you guys, they knew. They, they knew. just wanted to fuck with you. That's all they wanted to do. They, were they, they wanted to fuck with you, oh, yeah. and then at the end of the day, they didn't want to do the paperwork. Yeah, who wants to arrest four people? Like, you know, we were my, well, no, we were all at least 18, I think. Yeah. We weren't anymore, but who wants to do that kind of paperwork? I never did when I was in the Coast Guard. If I found somebody with a little baggie of weed, it was like, look, fix this situation, I'm going to turn around real quick. Hey, problem solved. <laughs> fix it. Uh-huh. You don't fix it, I'm going to throw it in the ocean and make you feel really dumb about it. How, How would often what? did you have to do that? Oh, uh, when I was in Humble, it felt like it was pretty often. It probably wasn't, though. So, how would they fix the situation? Would they just have to swallow it? You just simply inform them that I need to have probable cause to look in a drawer. If I don't see probable cause, I'm not going to look in a drawer. You have drawers all around remove my probable cause yeah well okay so here's my question as a fellow um fellow drug taker uh it seemed like you would be the the type that you know the probable cause thing you wouldn't push it too far but do you think that maybe uh right now the way this uh, way we treat drug laws do you think that maybe probable cause has been overused for dumb shit reasons just so they can legally seize, search and seize, seize your car I don't doubt that. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it. Coast Guard was a very different type of law enforcement than what people, like, you know, officers out on the beat on our streets experience. But, I mean, you read some of the stories, and even not having all the details, you're like, really? Did you need to search them? What were you using there? Like, they were using the I smell... It's, it's something that I feel like a lot of people do take advantage well, of. Well, they were using the I smell pot uh, excuse, which, you know... Which is bullshit. It is bullshit. Thank you for saying that, former government person. Uh, um. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> that, that's what he feels about that. Uh, I love my country. Which part? Um. Uh, <laughs> like. So so you so you you live the Coast Guard and Coast Guard they you, they mostly just do um like you mostly did just drug enforcement right like you didn't like you didn't see active combat right. No, I never saw any sort of active combat. It was mostly, uh, like, you know, we would run uh, narcotics interdiction type stuff. Um, and then, but mostly, mostly, that's wow. What, All most right. Of what it was, was, uh, <laughs> most of what it was was like mom and pop type, you know, boats boarding them, checking for safety gear. Like, most of the law enforcement we did was water safety 
and environmental and fisheries enforcement. Most of it wasn't drug related. Some of it was, but not a lot. So what was the dumbest fucking thing you've had to pull a boat over for? Ah. Or like, just like, like, it almost like you almost wanted to help them. They were so dumb. Uh, man, this is going to sound bad. The dumbest people I ever saw on a boat was actually a group of Coasties. Oh, that's oh. not surprising. <laughs> oh, this should be good. This should be good. Uh, I mean, we were coming into port, and on the base, you can rent boats, and a group of other Coasties had rent- rented the boat, and were probably doing a little bit of drinking, and were just driving around erratically, cutting across our bow. When we were looking at them in the binos, like, oh, we know them. Well, this is easy. We're not even going to stop them. We're just going to call the command center. I think they got in a lot of trouble for that. The kind of trouble that you can't just talk your way out of? Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't on this patrol. This was our sister ship that saw this one, but they stopped a jet ski with a bunch of, I think they said like 10 people hanging onto the side of it trying to emigrate to Guam from one of the other islands, which I didn't even realize was really an issue, but. Jeez. Guam's the U.S. territory. There's some sort of naturalization law in there somehow. I don't know for certain areas. I, but I can't imagine trying to hang on to a jet ski, though. Yeah, it's a long ride. I mean, it's not quick. It's probably like 200 miles. They're holding on. Well, yeah, no, thank you. That's some dedication to get out of your shitty situation. Like, True. Mad props. <laughs> like, yeah. But... Uh, but but we had said that you're you're not Coast Guard anymore. You're retired Coast Guard, and you're our age. So I'm sure there's a lot of people going, "Wait, how in the fuck is he retired at thirty something?" So why are you not in the Coast Guard anymore? All right. So when I was twenty, twenty three, twenty four in Guam, um, I had started to lose a whole bunch of weight, and I wasn't my in my command's words, my work ethic had declined, and I personally did not feel too well. And so they sent me in to take a whiz quiz because they were convinced that I decided to start doing serious drugs. Guam had a pretty big meth problem. They thought I jumped on board with that, I think. But I got to the clinic, peed in the cup. Doctor saw my pee and instantly said, nope, you're not on drugs. Go to the emergency room. Didn't really tell me what was going on. But I get to the emergency room and I walk in and they're like, oh, petty officer card. Come back now. Like they were already expecting me. Like, okay, this is cool. This probably isn't good. I sat in a bed for a while, and they finally come in. They're like, well, bad news and more bad news. You're a type 1 diabetic, and you're going to lose your job. So I ultimately was uh, forced retired from the Coast Guard for after being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Because if I remember you telling me correctly, uh, type 1 diabetes makes you non-deployable, right? Correct, because I'm insulin dependent. So, like, you know, a type 2 diabetic can typically control their diabetes with, you know, a better, a healthier diet regular exercise, and maybe oral medication at a point. With type 1 diabetes, my body no longer creates insulin, so I have to either inject it or use a pump. Which has led to some very conver- very funny conversations out in public with people wondering, what is that? And we like to fuck with them and tell them it's his, his methadone pump. Now, the, when I first got it, I was very bitter when people, you know, about the whole situation. People would bring it up or ask questions because, you know, you see it. You're like, what is that? Thing that looks like a 1980s pager clipped to your belt with a hose going inside of you. And so I had one lady, I was at the pool at my condo in Guam while I was still waiting for all my uh, discharge stuff to go through. I was hanging out at the pool with a buddy. The lady stops me and asks me, she's like, what is that hanging on your side? It's like, I turned to her very seriously. I was like, I'm a recovering heroin addict. It's my methadone pump. <laughs> Instantly gathered her children and left. 
You're like, hey, it's been great. I've been four days sober. <laughs> I'm 12 minutes sober. <laughs> uh, hey, you got heroin? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I jokingly refer to it as, as his boner pump. You know, that way you can please the ladies. But let's be honest here, Karg, that hasn't happened in the first 30 years of your life. It ain't happening now. Um, no, not a chance. But, not with a 10-foot pole. Well, you wouldn't even know. Which you, you certainly don't have. Yeah, no. Uh, he's also he's also one of the few men whose dick I have seen. So, uh, in real life. Uh, and now that's out on the internet for everybody to know. Ah, fuck them. I hope my parents don't listen. I to hope this. they do because they need to know. <laughs> uh, they they already do. We get we we talk. Yeah, you know. Since I've gotten older, you know, you talk to your parents. You, they figure out all the dumb shit you got away with that they didn't know about, and they pretend they knew about it. Yeah, they're like, oh, we knew. It's like, no, you didn't. If you knew, you'd be fucking calling me every day. Yeah, no, don't don't sit there and yeah. lie to me. You didn't know shit. Yeah, like... You'd be thankful I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Only probably are thankful I'm still alive. So, so we get metal, medical out of the Coast Guard for type 1 diabetes. What's, what's the next on the game plan? What, what, what happened next? So, uh, my parents were teaching overseas. They were actually teaching in Kuwait at the time, maybe. I can't remember which. But when I first got out, so I went back and house sit for them for a few years while I went to college. Um, my second stint in college didn't work out too well. Was, that, was uh, it almost like the first stint? Local, like... It went a little bit better. Like, I got A's on some stuff, but I kind of just don't like school, I think. So, I didn't really do too well. So that didn't go too well. And then, uh, yeah, so I lived in Atlanta for a little while. And then I decided I wanted to be, I was home brewer at the time, brewing at home. I learned to do that while I was in the Coast Guard. Decided, well, I enjoy doing this. Why not try and make it a job? So that's when I moved to North Carolina, where there was more breweries at the time, and went to school for brewing and distillation. And, and brewed for a while after that. Yeah, I remember uh, one of the first times you talked about it. I had gone down to uh, your folks' house while you were house-sitting. And uh, you decided that we were going to do a backyard batch. And I just I, I was amazed at, that it was possible to do it in the backyard and then amazed at mm -hmm. uh, the level of stupidity involved because of what we ended up naming that brew. Wait, which one was that? That was that was El that coffee. That, no, like that was Elbows Deep. That's right. And, yeah, because I dropped my phone in yep. it. <laughs> so it's like, what, midnight, <laughs> one o'clock, something like that. By the time it's finally done and you're ready to do the grav reading and he's trying to hold the meter in the Gatorade thing that we're using to brew this in. And he drops his phone in and has to fish into hot fucking brewing shit to get his phone out, which incidentally, I don't think it worked after that, did it? It was. No, I think it survived. Not well, like it didn't work properly. But it did survive after a night in rice. So we we uh, we named but, that brew Elbows Deep in honor of the sacrifice of his phone to that beer. <laughs> we had a little uh, we had a bunch of names. Inoculation. <laughs> have you tried to re? I had like a. I was gonna I was oh, gonna go ask. Have you tried to rebrew Elbows Deep? I have not. I have not. I, something about its uh, its origins just kind of like you know what that was left that's best left alone. We we did manage to make a couple other really good ones though. We did because you did the vanilla bean porter with me, right? The chocolate vanilla. Yeah, porter? yeah, we did that one. That one came out really well. What did we call that one? I don't remember I don't that remember. one. You did the 
cherry wheat one, I know, because you sent it, or was it cherry or strawberry? Whichever one it was, it was some kind of berry that, like, overtook the rest of the brew after it had uh, sat for a really good while, and it just turned into a straight-up berry beer. It was still good, good as fuck. Yeah, it was raspberry. That was what it was. It was, it was raspberry. raspberry, coffee, and chocolate. That was one me and uh, the so one of my friends ended up going to brewing school with me and moved up to Asheville with me. And that was one that me and him did, Ben, and we called that one. I think it was Midnight Delight. That one I still have the recipe for. I might reboot that sometime soon. That's a good one. So especially when it was fresh. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. So we decided to take backyard brewing and go, huh? I. I might be able to do this for a living. So, so how'd that come about? How, how does that process work going from brewing in a Gatorade bucket in your backyard to working at a brewery? Well, so I was in school for a while um, and I had become uh, introduced to the owners of this small brewery out in this little uh, village near Asheville called Chimney Rock. And they're, Head brewer at the time was leaving to go to a larger brewery, and they asked me to take over the position. Um, took several years to figure it out, but it turns out I was just wasting my time and energy on somebody's hobby. But, you know, figured it out eventually. But yeah, so for about four or five years, I was their head brewer. I designed other recipes, brewed other beers. It's a really small brewery, no distribution or anything like that. But, I mean, it was a good learning experience, to say the least. So, wait, wait, wait! You said it was basically someone's hobby. Yeah, he he wasn't prepared to invest the kind of money you needed to invest into a brewery to you know get to the volume of production that you needed to be at to have the equipment to do it right and well and consistently. And it's the brewery suffered because of that. Um, they have done that now since I have left. They've opened up a second facility that they're brewing out of. Um. But yeah, he, he didn't. Uh, they didn't have the money to invest into it to do it perfectly and, or do it right. And we were brewing at a very small volume, so we were constantly running out of beer, and it just wasn't a good business model. Beautiful location, yeah. Because the pictures, the the pictures and shit I've seen of that brewery, it, it was in a wonderful location. Like, yeah, it was situated right on a river in Chimney Rock State Park. Or um, if you were a local, it was either Cock Rock or Chode Point. Or basically, <laughs> it looked like a big penis on the side of a mountain. <laughs> I don't know if you have a way to impose like a uh, a picture if you do like the if you do it on like the little screen there, but you should totally totally should because it's a chode in the sky. I'll uh, I'll have to I'll have to look that up and put it in there. Yeah, a little bit of splicey splice, <laughs> if you will. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I like I thought that place was I thought that place was doing good just based on what you said. I don't know, maybe that was just you being wishful thinking. I mean, we were doing well, especially in the summer months. We were packed out, lines out the door, selling out a beer, and it was great. But that area is so seasonal. To get through the winter and the not-tourist season, you had to you had to have money in the bank. I mean, we, we did really well with the locals. We did some like events to keep locals coming around, but we had a very small indoor space. So once winter hit, it was kind of like, not a whole lot you can do. I mean, we had heaters on the deck, but... You know, you can only have so many people crowded around a little deck heater. So there was mostly outdoor space. Right. So, OK, so here's an interesting one. Tell tell us some of the things that go into brewing beer that you don't think the common person would ever think of, like Joe Schmo cracking open his can of favorite whatever probably wouldn't realize X, Y, Z about brewing beer. 
I mean, there's all kinds of crap you can put in beer. I mean, like, basic ingredients, you know, grain, water, yeast, hops. But, I mean, you can you can do fruits in beers. You can put different kinds of plants in beers, spices, herbs. Um, we, uh, we looked into doing one with kudzu because we wanted to make as local of a beer as we could. And kudzu takes over the mountains in, like, the spring and summer times. If you don't know, it's a very invasive vine that grows all over the Appalachian Mountains and probably elsewhere, too. But uh, we looked into it, and it turns out there's a chemical in the root of kudzu that will make you mildly psychoactive. It'll make you feel drunker quicker. And I decided I didn't want to be the brewer responsible for that, so we never did that beer, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I've done a... I put, a, put pine cones in beer. Um, uh, wait, pine cones? Like, I, how did that even... Pine. Yeah, pine cones. How the fuck did that even taste? Yeah. Well, we, I, I say pine cones, it was really like the nibs, so like the oh, okay. version of a pine cone before it expands out and dries. But you get that real pine sappy flavor out of them. It was alright. I've done uh, hibiscus beers. That's probably my favorite one to use. Hibiscus does really well in beer. Yeah, I've had, uh, we've had a hibiscus beer a couple of times. They're pretty good. Yeah. Oh, this wasn't my beer. This was one of my other buddies who was brewing at a, uh, a brewery that was willing to be a little bit more experimental in downtown Asheville. They did a pizza beer, so they ordered pizza and threw it in the fermenters. Like, like, like a like a three meat pizza into a fermenter. I don't think they had meat on it, but they. Sh- I think it was just a cheese pizza. But yeah, they just threw it in the fermenter to hope that it would take up some of those flavors. It didn't really. Yeah, I was about to say but, that uh, doesn't sound like it would work in my limited knowledge of chemistry science. That just no. I'm I'm sitting here in my head going, but, that doesn't work. Soaking things in the beer during the fermentation process is a pretty common way to extract flavors. But, uh, because, you know, once the beer is fermented, it's alcoholic, and you can use the alcohol as, you know, an, ex- an extract. Use it for the extraction, get flavors and other things out of it. In fact, that's how you would do it if you were making a beer with marijuana. Hint, hint, you wink, soak, wink. Uh, I'm not saying I've done it before, but I've done it before. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. How'd that um, turn out? <laughs> One bottle, you're good for the night. Yeah, I, w- I could imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all you really need. <laughs> so, so like you, you've lived kind of a very eclectic life. Uh, you know, you've you've done things that a lot of people that may listen to the show and help people that don't even listen to the show uh, will never be able to experience because you just you're 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 a lot like me, where it's kind of like yeah, just fuck it, let's go with the flow. Um, that's yeah. That's kind of how I wound up doing all that random crap. Because <laughs> I remember when you said you were going to the Coast Guard, I I think I was one of the few that thought you could do it, but I didn't know how long you would last. And 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 you surprised <laughs> yeah, the rest the sh- of the, yeah. The rest of us were convinced you wouldn't make it out of basic. Yeah, I was like, he'll make it out of basic. I don't know how much how much of a career he'll make out of it, but he'll make it out of basic. Like. I ended up really enjoying it. I wanted to do 20. I probably would have. I don't know if I actually would have stuck it out that long, but at the time, I wouldn't completely burnt out on it. Well, would you... Do- five, five years? Yeah, about five years. Five, six years. But even if... Uh, yeah. Even if you would have done 20, like, would, it, would you have done 20 if you were going to other places, or would you have done 20 if you were just sticking in Guam? I wanted to go other places. Um, Before I... uh. 
like found out I was getting kicked out. I was already kind of, I was getting close to that time where I would transfer and I was looking at other places. Like there was uh, the option to go out to Bahrain for a little while, which would have been a fun little tour, I think. Um, then obviously anywhere in the continental U.S. I was kind of interested in the idea of going up to like the Northeast, like maybe like Boston or something like that. Just experience different places. You know, I had the opportunity to maybe go to Alaska as well, which would have been fun, but I don't think I want to live in Alaska. I think I just visited. Yeah, nobody wants to live in Alaska. Um, I mean, I've had some friends that have done it. They like it. It's a cool place, Yeah, sure. the people that live in Alaska have previous uh, felonies. Um, <laughs> uh, and I say that with love, because I have a friend who also lived and worked in Alaska, would go back in a New York minute. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, if there's like if you could say you've had like any regrets regarding those experiences in your life, what would you say it would be? Or do you even have any? Uh, I like to say I don't have any, but I probably do. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't want to say I regret any of the decisions I made. I wish I thought some of my life decisions through a little better. It might put me I might be in a better situation now had I like, you know, actually tried at school or yeah. yeah, but I mean, to be honest but, with you, man, and I'm saying this from from me as well, it's, it's college isn't for everybody, and uh, you know, some people just need to learn that the hard way. I I don't regret going to college because I mean that's how I met you, motherfuckers. Uh, but um, I, I think I, I I don't know, like. It's it's weird. You're like the one person that I know that I can honestly say probably doesn't really have major regrets. Like you have some, but you don't have any that are like, like you seriously, seriously hate like the situation you're in. I think the only reason I don't have regrets is because I look at where I'm at now in life and go, well, I wish, you know, my situation could be better. I'm happy. Like. I have great friends like you guys, uh, you know, my current job that I'm in, I enjoy doing it. It's a fun new challenge and, you know, keep things interesting. I'll probably get bored of it one day and go to something else completely random and off the wall, but, you know, <laughs> I, so, so you're, point of life, you're not having fun. You're, right. you're almost like, like a traveler <laughs> through careers. Just you decide to do one for a while, enjoy it. When you get done with it, like, okay, time for uh, time for something new. Yeah, maybe it could happen. I don't know. I'm still enjoying it now. Uh, so, I have no intentions of doing anything else right now. Could happen one day. If you, if you had to pick, like, you had all the money in the world, money was an issue, dream career. Race car driver. That's terrifying. No. I've seen you drive regular cars. Exactly. That's the reason he'd be great as a race car driver. There's no one else out on the road. The, everyone else out on the track would be able to keep up with him. Like, uh... Well, I've told you guys about the uh, like the lemons race team that I've kind of been working. Yeah, with, yeah. Right? Talk about that a little bit. All right. So, if you're not familiar, the 24 Hour of Lemons is basically a parody of a big race they do in France every year, the 24 Hours of Le Mans. 24 Hours of Le Mans requires billions and billions of dollars in manufacturers to support to race in. Not something I'm capable of achieving. But with 24 Hours of Lemons. It is attainable by the average man. You have you have five hundred dollar budget to spend on your vehicle. Any car you can think of under the sun that you can purchase for five hundred dollars can be entered into this race. So it is a race of junkers. And me and my buddies have purchased a nineteen eighty six Nissan three hundred ZX for 
about $500. Stripped it all out, put a roll cage in it, put new brakes on it. Safety doesn't count towards your budget, so you can spend all the money you want on brakes, roll cage, fire suppression, that kind of thing. They want you to live. And we're hoping uh, to be ready by a race in December in Atlanta and race this little piece of crap car around road Atlanta for a long time and see what happens. <laughs> so, so how did that come yeah, we, about? How, how did the idea to get into this come about? Because that's that's a pretty off the wall thing. Like, I'm going to go race a piece of shit that I bought for 500 bucks. That sounds like a good time. So how it really happened, there's a big race that they do in Atlanta every year called the Petit Le Mans which is like the final race of the American Endurance Series for IMSA. It's a big race. Like, it's a huge turnout. We go camp the entire week for, like, the warm-ups, the practice, the qualifying, and the final event, finally. And it's the same group of friends that I've done this with for, shoot, probably like eight years now. I don't know. But we always joke about it because we knew they did the Lemons race at this track. I'm like, man, that would be really fun to compete in. And now we're all grown up, and we have grown-up jobs, and we're like, Shit, if we split the cost of doing this, it's not it's achievable. We can race in this. Let's do it. So we uh did some research for a little while, shopped around cars, saw this car pop up for sale in South Carolina. We got together one weekend, drove down and looked at it, like, yep, this is the winner. Gave him his money, went back a week later, towed it up to North Carolina, started stripping all the interior out. Let's do this. Let's Let's dive in head first and see what happens. Now, I'm sure there's some rules about what the aesthetics of your car can be. Uh, in case no one's told you, you cannot paint giant dicks on your car for a 24-hour race. Hey, fuck you. Yes, he can. They probably let yeah. you. They would probably let you in this race. He's going to put... I mean, I haven't seen anybody with giant dicks on their car, but... Great. Now I just gave him that idea. Oops. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. So we uh we dubbed our car Shake and Break Racing, you know... As a not only like a joke on Ricky Bobby, but uh, shake and break like the chicken covering, like breading. And so we're gonna our car's gonna have a chicken theme that's very uh 80s color scheme. Nice, fucking simple. I like it. Bullshit. Yes. Like uh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be real fun. So how how far <laughs> along is the shit. car right now? Uh, it doesn't start. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, that's generally uh, we got a fuel delivery issue somewhere. Um, I mean, it. We have a long ways to go before it's race ready, and we're running very short on time. Yeah, we're yeah. getting there. Getting there. We are slowly but surely getting there. So but right now, it just lives in my basement, and collects dust. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the um, is, is that the only uh, lemons race for the year or are there going to be more or how, how, how does that circuit um, work? This, this is the only one we'll be able to participate in this year, uh, keeping in the tradition with the standard American Endurance Series. Atlanta is the season finale, unless COVID changed that somehow. I'm not sure. But uh, so Atlanta will be the only one we compete in next year, but they do them all over the country all year. And. Then the year after that, provided the car survives this first stint and we kind of get a little bit of experience, a better idea how it all works, we hope to compete in all the ones that we can get to, at least in the southeast. So they do a couple in South Carolina. There's actually supposed to be one this weekend in South Carolina, which is why I had the weekend off. But COVID. Um, Yay, and, COVID. you know, car not start. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that'd be an issue too. Just a small one. And uh, you could you could things, you could probably push start it right. Like, I mean, we could. I don't know how long it stays starting though. If it has a fuel delivery issue, we're hoping that it's just something easy. But we haven't really dug too far into it. Have you tried duct tape yet? You know, there's no duct tape on the car. I'm ashamed of you. There's zip ties. Uh, Okay, that's somewhat passable then. You're you're well on your way. Definitely use some WD-40. Yeah, all the redneck garage tools are being used at some point. I'm sure. (laughs) So a bottle of liquor for the stick shift then. Uh, no, we actually have a really nice stick shift knob that somebody gifted one of the guys on our team from a car meet. Like, sweet. Well, there you go. From a Nissan Nismo. It's nice and weighted. So, uh, since, it, since you don't have to pay for it, it yeah, doesn't count I towards think, the cost, uh, right? I mean, no. So, the way they judge your cost, it's not like you hand them a cost sheet, this is what we paid for everything. So, you go, you get there and you have to go through two inspections. The first one is your tech inspection. Make sure the car's safe. The second one, they call the BS inspection. And this is where it gets really fun. So you could spend as much money on your car as you want, but for every $10 they think you spent more than $500, they are going to assign you a penalty lap. So you have to convince them, lie to them, hide your upgrades, cheat, or bribe them in order to get as few penalty laps as possible. And this, So, you know, people will bring them alcohol, food, uh, parts for their own project cars and things like that. So this is pretty commonplace among the racers that it's not like some underground thing. Like, no, we flat out admit to doing this. I think the, uh, the running joke with everybody that at least from like the people I've talked to is $500 my ass. And it was like, yeah, $500 my ass you spent on that car and you'll get penalty laps for it. So like some people will show up with these really cheaty you know, cars they spent several grand on, well, they're going to spend the whole race just getting to zero. Our goal is to get as few penalty laps as possible where a mildly good performance is still achievable. <clears throat> so, again, like like I said, car, you're a guy that's done a lot of shit, and you, know, you wear a lot of different hats. It, it's, it's, it's strange, like, because... No, like people had this had this misconception about you in college, which could be justified, could not be justified that you didn't have a drive. Um, do you feel like it? Maybe it's like your drives are in what not what you do for a job or what you think you should do, but doing what you want to do. Oh, that's a hundred percent my drive. I think I'm just not motivated like the normal person is. <laughs> You know, I, I like to earn money. That can motivate me, obviously. But, you know, if it's not something I want to do, do it. Like, uh, okay. Which has shot me in the ass. Right. Well, a couple of times. I mean, it's, it's shot all of us in the ass at some point. We've all done something that we thought we wanted to do. And then by the end of it, we're like, ah, this kind of sucks. Um, Life's about learning the hard lessons, right? Exactly. Unfortunately. So far. But, like, the, the question, I guess... You know, this might be a bit of a short episode today because we're mostly trying to get out of here and get drunk, to be honest with you. But, Amen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, i.e., he's bored of talking to me. He realized this was a dumb idea. He's not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I just I hate speaking with you every time you come down. I, I, I throw a fucking fit. It's horrible. Um, we we we've told some great college party stories uh on this podcast and you your name has come up but you've never actually told a college story 
what what's your, one of your favorite memories of like that the first couple of years you were around when we were all in college? Oh man. It, it that's kind of hard to narrow down. I better say so many so <laughs> many to choose from including the ones that you kind of half ass remember. I mean, so we had like some great little fun I think just collectively as a whole, my whole MTSU experience and all the friendships that came out of it, like, it's just like the whole, the culmination of the whole life experience is my favorite. Like, you know, there, there were those fun times, like, I think, uh, one of my favorite parties is one, uh, it's my birthday party, actually. And you gave me a lap dance, John. Y- Isn't yes. that the first time y'all uh-huh. met? That, no, 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 no. No. We met way before then. Yeah, this is when you were at the point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was the first time somebody met you, and that's it how they f- met you, was John giving you a lap dance in his underwear. It was the first time Billy ever met me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't... I, have we... That, that has to be one of my favorite memories. I, I had a Hannah Montana accessory bag as a present, like... <laughs> that he wore, like, 90% of. Uh, he was a pretty little two-bit whore. Um, he was fabulous. He was. <laughs> no, no. Bad. The first time I think me and me and Karg actually met, it was when we were in the dorms, and we all like fucked off into our rooms to play Halo for uh, uh over over the like have a LAN party for Halo, uh, which God, those were that was some of my favorite gaming moments. But that's the first time me and Karg met. I brought him into my room, and we played Halo Two on split screen, that's and right. that's how we became. So I met all you guys because I would just sit on the stoop and smoke cigarettes. Right. That's how we pretty much met everybody. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I think but that's yeah, that's when you I, and me really met. I, I think I have to apologize to you, to be honest, because half of meeting you involved getting you involved in our shitty little band. Oh, <laughs> so oh. I think I owe you an apology. Oh, my God. Carl, do we, wa- so, we um, want to tell him the story of the day you got fired from the band not my not my say for the record okay asking me to tell the story or chris Uh, i mean i can tell the story y'all can interject parts of it because i can only tell my part of it i just got a phone call that's like matt you don't practice anymore you're out (laughs) yeah yeah like and so then card calls me and i think you were like you you were intoxicated in some form or fashion, which not surprising. Um, I was because I was at work. This is when I was working at the recording studio. Right. <laughs> so I get a call from from Karg here, and he's like, "Dude, you won't believe what happened to me." And I was like, "I probably won't, but go ahead, hit me with it." He's like, "I, I got fired. I got kicked out of the band." And I was like, "I'm." <laughs> Congratulations! Like, I, I, are you? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it should have been. Was congratulations. <laughs> we proceeded for thirty minutes on a phone call to riff that band to hell. Um, we were terrible. Mm-hmm. We were terrible. Uh, yeah. If you want to look them up, it's a it's called a perfect puzzle, right? Not a just perfect puzzle. Just I don't know puzzle? if you can find so anything you, online. If you do, um, uh, comment unfortunately, or tweet. you can. Um, no, you can. I. Uh, I recently befriended this uh, this girl, and she must put in the effort to Googling me. Oh, God. Anyways, she found our YouTube channel, which is still out there. Oh, God. 
Oh my god, that would be <laughs> that that would make an amazing episode just sitting back and watching the old videos. It's, uh, what's on there? Um the music video we did for Unleash is on there and a couple of our like video blogs. I didn't think that that was still around to be honest. That's Oh, it is. Nothing dies on the internet, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> like, but that band can we talk about it like a little bit since since Karg is here? Are, well, are, what about it specifically? Well, first off, how many people actually believe that band was actually like was going to be successful? Two people. Two people believe that. And neither one of those two people are on microphones right now. Yeah, that because to be honest, I think everybody else saw it for what it was like, oh, this is like a shitty uh, college band. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all had the pipe dream where it was like, oh, man, being a rock star would be really fun. Well, yeah, of course. But we, but, some of us were a little bit more realistic about it. I mean, we, we would get stoned and fantasize about how cool it would be to be rich. Right. But. I mean, and everyone does. That's the that's the American dream, baby. But uh, yeah, buddy. But yeah, like I, I remember. I remember being one of the more, more vocal ones that made fun of you guys on a daily basis. Uh, which pissed people off, but eh. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. It kept me a sane about it and rational and from getting sucked into the hype of it and just enjoy it. Right. Much. It was just like, I mean, Karg, Karg, it's the reason why I love talking about this with Karg and Chris, because Karg and Chris were probably the, the only talented people out of the bunch. And that, probably two of the more realistic. Right. He, I would not call myself talented by any means. No, you're you relative to the rest of the band. No, no you actually were a great guitar player back in the day. Not well, anymore. just because you, you're out of practice. <laughs> um, and and Chris, as as anyone that listens to the show knows, Chris is a bit of a fucking mastermind behind a mix board, so he can turn. I, I, cer- I certainly do my best. I can turn. I can turn shit into slightly less shit. Well, you can turn chicken shit into chicken salad, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, oh, I appreciate that. That's a that's a nice thing to say. Thank you, sir. I mean it. Like I, I I've always told you, you're great at mixing shit. It's just a shame that you get stuck in one fucking uh, genre. You've you've thankfully branched out a bit, which I love. Uh, yes, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking mm-hmm. about that in future episodes. Uh, yes, we news will. news to be coming in. But uh, but yeah, like the the, the whole the whole band, it, it just reeked of guys who thought they were gonna make it, and you know. I would be the jerk that would call him out on it, and it caused a lot of fucking friction. And, you know, it, it was during a time, and it wasn't the only thing that caused friction, but during it was during a time where me and Chris and a lot of my other friends didn't communicate, but the one person that I did hang out with all the fucking time from that group was Karg. Karg was kind of like the the emissary. He he would be the guy that would, that would show up at your party that, like, you're like, hey, is that person still have a problem with me? Yes, they still have a problem with you. I can tell you exactly what it is. Blah 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 blah. Um, but Karg, but Karg <laughs> never just left. I think it was mostly because of the free beer, but I also think it's a little bit about the friendship. Um, yeah, like the, the free beer definitely had something to do with it. Just a little bit. Um, we're we're gonna have to cut it short here in a minute because we do have other people coming over. Uh, but if you guys could give like a little bit of your personal reflection on that band, what would it be? We'll, we'll start with Chris and then we'll end with Karg and then we'll probably end the show after this. 
Okay, okay. So let's see. Personal <laughs> reflection on the travesty that was Perfect Puzzle. Um, so before Card came in, we had another second guitarist who was awesome. Guy, guy was way, way beyond us. And I think he was just humoring us. And I think he just wanted to be in a band until Card came in. Um, not to sound egotistical and not to sound like that asshole, but 90% of the music was written by me and the drummer. 90% of it. There were bits and pieces thrown in by other people until Card came in and helped write. Uh, before he came in, Even you still did all the writing. Huh? Even you still did all the writing when I came in. Well, but you were able to contribute far more than anybody else could besides our drummer. Um, so yeah, 90% of the music was written by me. And at that time, I, my writing style was kind of shit. Um, you were just a sad boy. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. I, let's not make bones about it. I was boy band reject. Um, and the lyrics that went into some of those songs were not the best. And the vocals in all of those songs were not the best. Sorry, buddy. They weren't. You know who you are. Um, I think looking back on it, had we taken it less seriously and just had fun with it, we probably could have been a relatively successful bar band, which would have been a great outlet and a great hobby. And I would have been happy at that. Uh, but I think there were too many people taking it way more seriously than it should have been. Um, and the fact that we bounced around on a couple of different players, we bounced around on a second guitarist. We back bounced around on bass players. Um, we didn't have the balls at the time to kick out the guy who was our lead singer, which was one of our big detriments. Um, you know, I still look back at those songs on occasion. I still play them on occasion just as like a warm up thing because musically they're not terrible, but they're not great either. Um, they're very much mediocre radio rock esque with a little metal y flair thrown in there. Uh, yeah, I think if we'd taken it a lot less seriously, it would have been a lot more fun and it would have lasted a lot longer. Card. I 100% agree with you. Had we taken it less seriously and did not let the drama affect friendships involved and everything, it would have been a lot more fun. I would not, ref like, I look back on it fondly and embarrassed by it, but <laughs> it, it was fun. And, that, like, it's fun to play shows. It's fun to get up and enjoy music. And I think it, it, had we viewed that as the goal the whole time and not we're going to be rock stars, I had a lot more fun doing it. But it's it, it was kind of like the glue that kind of kept us all like friends in the early years. So like I, I have regrets about it. I think I wouldn't call, even call it a travesty. I think it was fun to do. I enjoyed it every minute of it thoroughly for the most part. Except for that one time <laughs> that we tried to have practice high. That was a bad idea. Don't try and play guitar high, kids, especially not in a, in a semi-professional setting. Just just bad idea. By the way, y'all contributed to my alcoholism, forcing rum and shit down my throat for every practice. Because you played you're better. better when you're drunk. <laughs> At the time, you did play better. You were looser. I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's because I'm an overthinker. I always have been. <laughs> but, uh... but, but yeah, no, it, like, even on the outside looking in, because I wasn't part of the band, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, it, it'll, it seemed like you, like some of you guys are having fun. Some of you guys are treating like business, and you know who you are, and that's the reason why, like, you guys are trying to be a vid sevenfold. But in reality, you're more like Psycho Stick. Um, we were, we weren't even, we weren't even that good. At shit. No, you weren't. But I'll, yeah, that's, that's, I'm just making a point here. Like, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do here, folks. I'll tell you what I do. Normally for the outro, you know, you've got the Anarchy Arena theme song playing in the background. I'll tell you what I'll do at the end of this episode. I'll slap one of those songs on the end, and you can tweet at oh us and God, put the comments do that. and let us know how terrible it, it is. Wait, you saw the original? You're going to lose all your viewership. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I still have quite a few of the tracks, actually. Oh, my God. Oh, I have them all still. Uh, I'm just... uh, before we cut it out, though, I don't know why this popped up. When earlier when we were talking about our time at MTSU, I just wanted to, I know these types of topics have come up on your podcast before. And we were talking earlier about when we really became friends. The minute I knew I was going to be best friends with you, John, we were sitting out by the uh, outside I'm Coming Hall on the picnic table and you were questioning my religious views because at the time you obviously had different views. Yeah. I was a hard, I was a hard Christian. Like, Like, you asked me like, why are you atheists? And I was like, well, I've never seen, never seen evidence of God or whatever. And they're like, you know what? You're the first atheist I've ever talked to who I won't even fight on it. Like (laughs) after our conversation, like, yeah, me and John are going to be good friends. Well, I'll, and we, I think we had been friends for a while at the point of that conversation, but well, it's that was that was a fun for moment. me. It's always like, and we're going a little bit off topic, so we'll, I'll I'll try to make this short. But for, yeah, no, bad. no, you're good. For me, though, it, you know, if you're gonna have beliefs, whether you it's a lack of belief or you have faith in a higher power, you need to be able to defend it. Uh, not a lot of people can do that. Uh, when I was when I was a big Christian, I would try uh, i would defend my faith and i would know things about it it's the reason why i'm an atheist now because i've learned too much um and that, that you know i respected you because you actually had reasons it wasn't just like i hate i hate going to church i was forced to go to church blah 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 like you actually had reasons so i was like okay no he's he's got legitimate reasons you don't believe in god that's fine i can't i can't yeah. force the issue on you uh <laughs> now, now I'm an atheist, so I guess uh, you forced your views on me. Uh, <laughs> hmm, ironic. I always accuse Christians of forcing views. Uh, and the dogs start annoying. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> I think that's our cue. He's ready to be let out, and he's tired of hearing your voice and not getting to smell your ass. So, on that note, and literally, I, I do mean him. his ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, we are going to go ahead and end this edition of the Anarchy Arena podcast featuring our good friend, Mr. Matthew Carg. Any last words, sir? Uh, yes, shameless self-promotion. Please check out Shake and Break Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you're in the market for a new car, I can title and register in any state. (laughs) Well, there you go, folks. (laughs) So that's going to cut it for this one. And uh, again, let us know in the comments what you think of the terrible track that's going to be played here in a few seconds. So uh, we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me on. Bye, guys. And there we go, guys. Episode 37 in the bag. That one was a lot of fun. It just happened to work out that our good buddy Karg was in town. And we figured, you know what? As long as he's here, man's probably got some interesting things to say. So let's let him say them. We had a lot of fun recording this one and then proceeded into a night of debauchery afterwards. That was well worth it. And so was the hangovers from most everybody in the morning. 
So, uh, earlier in the episode, we mentioned that uh, I might play a little track for you guys here at the end. And uh, here at the Anarchy Arena podcast, we always try our best to keep our promises. So, thank you all for listening to this episode. We will see you next time on the Anarchy Arena podcast. And without further ado, here is a track from the band that Karg and I used to be in. This track is called The End of the Road. Yes, it's about the same place we mentioned in one of our stories. Uh, This is a very old recording. It is not the best, so bear with it. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if you do or don't, leave us a tweet or a comment and let us know what you thought. I'd be very interested to hear. So here you go, guys. The End of the Road.